welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. North Carolina's 9th Congressional District is the last undecided House contest in the country. The state elections board has refused to certify the results of Republican Mark Harris's slim win while it investigates allegations of election fraud. Republican State Senator Tommy Tucker says this isn't the first time something like this has happened in North Carolina. The Bladen County has had a long history of absentee ballot fraud, even in both parties. So... We are being once again embarrassed in this state that our elections don't count. Joining me is one of the foremost election law experts in the country, Rick Hassan. He's a professor at the University of California, Irvine School of Law and founder of the Election Law Blog. So, Rick, explain what the allegations of election fraud are here. Well, they seem to involve absentee ballots uh, in at least one county, Bladen County, and maybe in, in more Uh, counties than that. And they seem to involve two kinds of activities. One is uh, collecting absentee ballots from people who may or may not have requested themselves, but uh, for whom there was a request, and then filling those out if they were blank uh, for uh, the candidate, uh, Mark Harris, who was declared the winner of the election. And the other is that they were collected from some people and potentially destroyed if they were marked for uh, and McGreedy, the candidate on the other side. And while there's about a 900 vote difference between the two candidates, uh, it is possible that uh, there was enough activity uh, related to um, either filling in ballots or destroying ballots that it could have changed the outcome of the election. And this is now under investigation by the State Board of Elections, as well as it appears by state and federal law enforcement officials. This is not the kind of election fraud that Republicans across the country have used to justify ballot restrictions in recent years. Explain the difference. Well, so the most common kind of uh, election uh, restriction that we've seen put in place in recent years are voter identification laws. These are laws that would require you to show a certain kind of ID, a photo ID, like a driver's license or a passport before you're allowed to vote. That kind of uh, requirement uh, would prevent impersonation fraud, where one person goes to the polling place and pretends to be someone else. Uh, That kind of fraud is not really a kind of fraud that we see on any kind of scale as a way of stealing elections. While fraud related to absentee ballots, while a small problem, it has been documented as a problem. This Bladen County is certainly not the first instance where we've seen this. Having a voter ID law in place doesn't stop someone from collecting absentee ballots, filling them out, destroying absentee ballots. It really has nothing to do with it. And so while the, uh, many of the laws are aimed at stopping one kind of fraud, a kind of fraud that doesn't happen, uh, the laws are not really aimed at stopping uh, this other kind of fraud. And so it makes you wonder whether these laws are actually being passed to prevent fraud, as is claimed, or maybe they're being passed to suppress the vote of those who are least likely to have a a kind of voter identification. In the Shelby County case, the Supreme Court gutted the Landmark Voting Rights Act. Does this situation show that that was done too quickly and that that this situation might have been prevented if it had still been in place? Uh, While I do think that the court was 
uh, wrong in gutting the part of the Voting Rights Act that required uh, that jurisdictions with a history of race discrimination in voting get approval or preclearance before they made changes in their voting rules. I don't believe that this kind of wholesale fraud uh, being uh, conducted with absentee ballots w- would have been affected by um, the Shelby County case. I mean, really, this, this is not uh, a situation where something that was, uh, would not have been pre-cleared, like, say, a voter ID law, a strict voter ID law that might disenfranchise minority voters, would now be able to go into effect. So uh, while there are many things to say against uh, the Shelby County decision, I don't think this is affected one way or the other by that. What would have prevented this? Sure. So uh, states have different rules for um, making sure that absentee ballots are handled properly. One of the big controversies is over whether someone can... Uh, collect the ballot of someone else who's a non-relative. This is known somewhat pejoratively as ballot harvesting. And uh, the concern is that you might have uh, people collecting ballots and, and doing things, bad things with them, as, as has been alleged in this election. Uh, there are safeguards that can be put in place to prevent that. So one of the things is that when these ballots are collected in North Carolina, they have to be witnessed. Uh, so two people have to sign or there has to be a, a signature under penalty of perjury or affidavit. Um, and so one of the things that's going on in this investigation is that they are looking at the patterns of the people who have signed these, uh, um, as witnesses, signed these ballot um, applications, these absentee ballot applications. And when you're seeing one person signing 30, 40, 50 of these applications, you can kind of see if there's a pattern there, see, you know, what what was it? And one of the things that we've seen is that you see some of these people who collected dozens of ballots. Those people have now been interviewed. It was a story in BuzzFeed that that some of them were were being paid to bring the ballots and not deliver them to election officials, but to bring them back to a consultant's office. There are reports that uh, this involved um, this being done uh, potentially in exchange for drugs. And so there's all kinds of nefarious allegations here. The fact that you can look at the signatures and see the patterns is one way of knowing this. And another way of knowing this is looking at the patterns of absentee ballots that have been requested and those that have been returned. And it looks like a lot of ballots uh, that were requested, many more were requested in this county compared to other counties, and many fewer Democratic ballots were returned in this county compared to other counties, which suggests that you could kind of look at the data and look for patterns. And I, and I think the, the overall lesson here is that when you have safeguards in place, it doesn't mean that the elections are always going to be perfect, but it means that there's enough Uh, uh, evidence there, data there that you could look at to try to figure out uh, uh, when there is a problem and then investigate. uh, So I think this shows actually that the system is working, not that it's not working. Just for a moment, let's go to uh, Georgia. Tell us a little bit about the federal lawsuit there between Democrat Stacey Abrams and Secretary of State Brian Kemp and what the issue is there. We have about a minute. Sure. So Kemp's now out of office. This is a suit against his successor, and it's claiming that a whole host of problems in how the elections have been run, from voter purges to how the voting machinery works uh, to um, the, the handling of things at the polling place, and all of these things together uh, violate the Voting Rights Act and are unconstitutional. They're trying to make a claim that you should look at this holistically, and when you look at it as a whole, it is disenfranchising voters. Uh, and that there needs to be a kind of global remedy to fix Georgia's election system. 
Thank you so much, Rick. Always a pleasure. That's Rick Hassan, a professor at the University of California, Irvine School of Law and founder of the Election Law Blog. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.